Episode 59 of the Football Fitness Federation podcast is with the head of Academy Sports Science and Medicine at Hibernian, Stephen Kinnan. It was good to talk to Stephen, but I met him at our Celtic meeting and he came on to talk about creating a long-term athlete development culture. He also spoke about uh, the biggest takeaways from his volunteer work and the free work that he did before his current role. He also, which is really interesting, spoke about the Hibs way. So the way that <clears throat> the way that Hibs play, and how he was able to use the language that the coaches use to talk about and relate to the S and C work and the importance of S and C work. So I thought that was a really interesting conversation we had. And then he, he spoke as well towards the end of the episode about the impressive academy stats up at Hibs in terms of how many players they're getting through. So it was really good to have Stephen on and discuss all that with him. I said last week that we'll be announcing our first confirmed 2020 network meeting and we have now put it out. So we are going to be at Colchester at the JobServe Community Stadium on Wednesday the 19th of February, 6 o'clock till 9 o'clock. So we're delighted to go down uh, to Colchester. We've got the sports scientists from the club, Perry Blanchett and Kamal Ishmael, um, Perry's from the first team, Kamal's from the um, academy. So we're going to talk about the challenges that the guys face at, in League Two, both from a first team and academy perspective. So I'm really looking forward to going down, meeting the guys, watching them present. And you can come and join us. So tickets are now available on our website, footballfitfed.com. Click network meeting and event tab at the top. And that'll take you to the Colchester um, section and then you can book your tickets there. You can get discount, further discount. So the early bird offer is now available, but you can get further discount by joining our community. So if you um, join up to the community, there's a community tab at the top of the website. You will get further discount. There's a there's a discount code going on to the community for community members. So go and get your signed up, self-signed up to the community and you can get further discount on the event. I did also mention the um, last episode and the episode before about leaving a review. So thank you very much to the guys that have left reviews recently. So we've had a few rev extra reviews on there. So one that says, superb resource for any S&C coach. This podcast has, uh, gives a great insight into the role of performance support in, in football slash soccer. There's been a great range of guests from different levels. I look forward to continue listening to future episodes. Keep up the great work. So thank you very much for that one. We've also got one that says, highly recommend brilliant range and depth of guests offering really interesting insights, easygoing conversations with loads of interesting ideas, delving into the why as well as the what. Please keep it going. Uh, so thank you for that one. And then also one that says, great podcast, great episode again this week. I'm a young sports scientist currently working in the industry and this has been a very, very valuable tool for me. After 50 episodes, I hope there's many more to come, which there is. So thank you very much for all those reviews. If you haven't done so already, I think we've got just, just short of 30 reviews on there at the moment, but I really do want to try and grow this. So if you listen and you haven't left a review, please just take a couple of minutes, head over to iTunes, click the five stars and just leave a short comment just like those that I read out. That would be amazing. I really appreciate it. So here is the episode with Stephen and let us know what you think. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. I'm delighted today to be joined by Stephen Kernan, 
who is the head of Academy Sports Science and Medicine at Hibernian. Stephen, thank you very much for coming on. Hi, Ben. Pleasure. Thanks very much for having me. It's great to have you on, mate. I know we, we met for the first time up at Celtic at the network meeting, so it was great to have you there as well. Mm-hmm. No, it was brilliant. It was a great event. I uh, really enjoyed it. It was great to hear uh, the chats from uh, Ollie and Jack uh, and yourself. It was excellent, really well put together. Awesome. And you're fresh back from a, a trip to New York as well. Yeah, yeah. My, my honeymoon. Yeah, um, it was... It was uh, excellent, really, really good. Good few days away. Good just to get away and actually, um, you know, just take in, be a tourist. Actually, it's it's just good to, to take in a different different part of the world. And yeah, it's, it's actually quite tiring. New York. It's not a it's not a relaxing place to go, but it's a place that you have to go. You know, I think it's, it's excellent, excellent uh, city. Yeah, it's definitely a place you get your steps in. Yeah, oh, I, I think we were hitting about thirty thousand steps a day. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Crazy. Yeah, crazy, yeah. Just kick us off, mate. I've mentioned your current role at Hibs, but just take us through your career so far. So where you've been, um, your, your where you studied, the clubs you've been at, and take us up to current day. Yeah, sure. So um, my, my career is, yeah, I suppose you can see a wee bit colourful. Um, I, I started... I started um, actually doing all of what he actually become was a personal trainer um, when I was when I left school. Really, I just enjoyed training, going to the gym, and uh, my main sport was actually karate. Uh, so, and I was actually a very, I was, I was, I was quite, quite, quite good at it. Actually, I was quite successful in it as well uh, as uh, in the sparring, and then um, ended up just going to college to do my personal training qualifications, uh, and just got completely engrossed in it. Loved it. And then uh, from there, there was a, an open day um, for Napier University for the sports science course, and I thought, you know, just go along, see see how see see what they've got to say, uh, and they ended up doing a VO two max test, and I got I ended up getting roped into to doing it uh, because I was training for a half marathon at the time, and um, I, I was just I just got bit by the bug. I wanted to know more. Uh, I wanted to know more about it. I wanted to understand what was happening. Uh, in my body while I was I was under those types of stress and uh, yes I ended up doing signing up to their sports science course and then from there uh, I ended up going to do their masters um, I did their masters in sport performance enhancement enhancement and uh, throughout my undergrad I was I was personal training on the side just working with uh, just Joe Blogs, looking to get fit for their holidays, New Year, New Me types, and uh, it was good. It was good fun, really good job. But, uh, you know, it's, I felt now, especially looking back, it was a good time uh, to understand how to work with people, how to talk to people uh, when you're training them in a gym. Um, and then when I started doing my masters, I started working with more athletic populations, like just the local football team, local rugby team, uh, and then started going down more of the strength and conditioning route as well. Uh, I started going through the UKSA process uh, and then just started implementing um, those types of practices into into um, working with different athletes. And then um, from there, Napier ended up uh, employing me as a sports science technician. Uh, so I started working in the labs there, uh, teaching students how to test uh different types of athletes, uh, how to interpret the data, uh, how to actually um, demonstrate best practice. Um, 
and while at the same time I was working uh, near enough every evening as well with different uh, different types of athletes and still Joe Publix. I was still just, I had the odd, odd client uh, and at the same time as well, I was trying to train on top of that as well. So I was busy, very, very, very busy back then. Um, and then that's when I started working in women's football, I started working with some of the Premier League teams up here. I uh, started working with Hutchie Vale uh, ladies, uh, started getting some good results and stuff with them. And then, uh, and this is at the same time, I was I was doing a lot, uh, uh, I was training a lot as well, and I was doing a lot of adventure run, runs and adventure racing, and I ended up getting roped into doing this TV show. It was actually um, the BBC's Special Forces Ultimate Hell Week. Uh, so it's the BBC's version of the SAS Who Dares Win. I don't know if you've you've been watching that. I think the, the new season's just on. Yeah, it's Channel 4 at the minute. So. Yeah. I, I, I did the first ever one on, on the BBC, which we, we still say is the harder one. <laughs> it was uh, the real one. Uh, and yeah, I ended up doing really well. I ended up coming fourth and uh, that I made the final. Um, and from there, that's when obviously I got a lot of, a lot of, I, I got a lot of kudos and a lot of more people started coming towards me and again, started getting good results. And then that's when I got a tip off about Hibs, uh, that Hibs were looking for somebody to come in and just start doing a little bit of strength and conditioning with uh, their academy players. So um, I, I jumped all jumped all over that, to be honest. And so started doing that, started getting good results, and then they offered me a full time role as a sports scientist. Um, and again, I worked really well with the twenties in the academy. And then that's when I got the the title of um, uh, heads of uh, academy science and medicine. So uh, yeah, it's been a bit of a, a long journey. Um, Put a lot of hours, a lot of hours, and you know. Um, but yeah, we're here now, so it's thankful for everything that's happened. And, uh, yeah, it's always good to hear people's story about where they've been and what they've done. And I think it it shows when when people are in a role like you're in at the moment. I think I don't think people understand the hours that have gone into it to get to that point. And the, mm. like you said, the voluntary work that you've done with teams and you put yourself out there. But what? What do you think some of the lessons were that you took from from the work that you did with the teams uh, that you mentioned before? So the work you did previously in the women's game, but then also the voluntary work you did in football, and I think you mentioned rugby there as well. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the biggest thing I've pr- probably learned through that time is uh, how to how to actually communicate with people and actually how to actually how to meet them on an emotional level. And one thing, see when you're, you're training with somebody, especially in the gym, or if you're out and doing conditioning sessions, is that uh, people people tend to open up to you. Uh, just obviously with endorphin release and, and the hormones, you know, people just start opening up and they start talking, start talking to you about their life. And um, and I think that's one key skill that I really learned was uh, how to actually listen, uh, how to listen to people, and how to just talk to them and how to make them feel good um, and that's one of the biggest things was just I, I really learned is if you can make people feel good about training with you then you're always going to get results regardless of what the program is because um, they're going to enjoy training they're going to turn up to training and they're going to put in more into the training um, and it's just purely because of the relationship you're building uh, and, and that's one of the things that I, I learned as well not just as much with individuals but how to do that with coaches you know, we can create that relationship with a coach, and then once that door's open, you know, you can the world's your oyster when it comes to working with athletes because the coach is the coach is key, the coach is king, um, and without those relationships, you know, everything you you you'll never be as fully as effective as you could be. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? And I think 
Well, you mentioned about the PT work as well. I definitely think that's something that, that people can take from as well, the listening side of things, the like where you're talking about getting to know people on an emotional level. That's what that teaches, isn't it? It's the, a big part of what that teaches. And anyone that does struggle with it, we've mentioned it time and time again on the podcast, there's a lot of really, really good practitioners out there um, that have, have got some unbelievable research and all the rest of it. But if they can't get it across to players in the right way or coaches, then it becomes pretty useless. So I think that they are really key skills, aren't they? Oh, I've worked with some terrific academics, but that's probably where their line is. You know, they're, they're fantastic in an academic setting. Uh, as a practitioner, you know, they just they just cannot communicate um uh, can't can't communicate their world, and especially in football, the nature of football is if you can't communicate, you're you're no good. You know, you're not going to be able to. You're not going to last because you're not going to get the job done. And uh, that's that's you know one of the, one of the things a lot of coaches have said is you know, when I've came in is just please don't use big fancy terminology. <laughs> For me, I'm just like not a problem. That's that's it makes my life easier. You know, but I think sometimes that's where a lot of sports scientists can get bogged down is they like to show off their knowledge base with using bigger, you know, bigger terminology. I remember one time I started talking about VO2 max, and a coach said to me, "Steve, I'm just going to stop you right there." And I was just like, "Wow, you know, VO2 max is something. It's just, I, I, it's nothing technical whatsoever." But in the coach's world, it's, um, you know, they don't need to know what maximal oxygen uptake is. They just, uh, they just, they just want to know can he last ninety minutes? And I'm like, well, fair point. I need to, I need to talk on your language. Definitely, and that's the lesson that I think we all learn at some point, isn't it? Working in the yeah. game. No, it's it's great to great to talk about that. But <laughs> let's move on to. Um, Obviously, your time at Hibs now. So, mm-hmm. what did the program look? Or what, what? Well, to start with, when was it you moved to Hibs, and what did the program look like when you got there? So, I I came into Hibs towards the tail end of 2015, uh, and at that moment, Hibs were pretty much in uh, uh, going through a massive, a massive change. Uh, the club recently was relegated from the Premier League. Um, the previous systems obviously didn't weren't successful you know the state the club was in and that's when uh, George Craig and Eddie May and Leanne Dempster came in and took over and that's when they st- George started looking for best practice within the football department so George was the head of football uh, head of football operations and Eddie May was the academy director and from there they worked together and had a very successful program at Falkirk uh, and that's when they started trying to implement um implement their practice into into Hibs and that's how I ended up just falling into it there and at the time there wasn't um, there wasn't a, 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 a full-time or a permanent member of staff within the academy regarding sports science or strength and conditioning uh, and there was just one other strength and conditioning coach Paul Green who's who's uh, obviously he's still here as well he's lead SNC coach uh, and, and that was that was pretty much it um, across the whole club, so the academy and the first team, you know. So it was, it was, it was a lot. There was a lot to do, um, and then from now, obviously, the club's grown massively, and uh, the departments like uh, we're a really big department now. Uh, uh, and for there, we can actually maximise the resources a whole lot better, and actually demonstrate best practice in as many areas as possible. Uh, but it's been, you know, it's been slow. So when we first came in, it was just about getting the basics in, just getting the fundamentals right, creating a culture that 
that the gym's a good place to go rather than people talking about the gym. It was, you know, let's let's actually say, look, ah, coming into the gym and actually training, it's, it's a good place to be. It's a place for you to come and get better. Um, and that in itself was quite strange to a lot of the players at the time, you know, because there wasn't a gym culture. It was just the gym. Um, and it's just like, well, it shouldn't be that. This is, it's a high-performance environment. We want you to try and start looking at things like this is a, you know, it's it's an elite environment to be in, and it's a privilege to be here. Uh, so let's let's really um, let, let's try and make that kind of uh, part of our, our our ethos in here. And and to be fair, now we've looking wow, four years down the line. We, what we've got going now is just fantastic. I mean, people have came in here, have uh, came really spoke highly of of our gym culture now, and uh, our, our the, the way the players um, respond to sports science and strength and conditioning is is fantastic. There's a great buy-in right from the first team all the way down to like say our under 11s be it whatever types of strength and conditioning if you can call it that at <laughs> those age groups. But yeah. I hope you're enjoying the episode with Stephen so far and the discussions we, we've had uh, in the first part. I just wanted to give you a few updates on our community. So we've had some really interesting discussions go, going on the community recently. Um, there's been talk about ramping up small-sided game intensities, um, some different discussions around small-sided games, and then also um, discussing some of the essential criteria for high tempo conditioning games as well um we've obviously already got which i've mentioned in previous episodes some of our previous network meeting presentations available and there's quite a few on there now so you can go and check those out along with the webinars on there as well so if you want to become a community member head over to footballfitfed.com click the community tab at the top if you sign up there that'll give you one month free after that month, it will then it's then only four ninety nine per month, and you get access to everything that's on there um, at the moment. And we'll also be adding all the upcoming twenty twenty network meeting presentations as well. You will also get discount to our upcoming events. So I mentioned the Colchester event at the start of the episode. If you are a community member already, keep an eye out for the discount code that will be put into the community for you to get your Colchester tickets and future event tickets. Um, if you're not a member, sign up and you will be you will have access to that as well. So you not only can you get the early bird price as this episode goes out, but you'll also be able to get further discount on that event by joining up and keeping an eye out and using the discount code. So it'd be great to have as many people on the community as possible to join in the discussions and add to the content on there. Um, and I hope you enjoy this episode with Stephen and enjoy part two. So what are some of the, the key things that you guys have put in place? I, I obviously, it, it's probably come from the increase in staff in a way, hasn't it? Like the numbers, you can obviously get your message across more. But what are some key things that you've done from 2015 to now to develop that programme? So the first thing was structure. Uh, the structure needed to be completely revamped and changed. There was no real um, long-term athletic development program. So that was the first thing we need to identify was what's currently going on and where do we need to go and just create loads of small little blocks to get there. Um, so the first thing was we split the academy into three different phases. So it was like a junior youth and professional academy. Um, so the junior academies uh, under 12s down to the pre-academy 
our youth academies from under 13s to under 16s and our professional academy is uh, under uh, 18s to 20s and then from there obviously that's that's into our, our first team um, so that's the first thing and then it was about creating not just like a uh, from a sports science point of view but actually from a coaching pathway as well so you know what making sure there was a philosophy for the club so the club could be identified uh, as this is this is the way we like to play the Hibs way um, so there it could be taught through academy so right from the first team all the way through you know there's a similar message which is getting taught so the boys are familiar with uh, with how uh, with the progression at each stage um, same thing from a, a strength and conditioning point of view first thing for me was just first thing I wanted to do is just put in the fundamentals so we're just looking at you know your squat your hinge your push your pull your rotation your brace type thing um, you know into the younger age groups well even sorry with the, the junior age groups it was just about just play just take them into the gym and just uh, expose them to different types of uh, different movement patterns like animal movement patterns different games of tag different you know so it, was, it was fun it was, it was a good fun place to come so from there, that's with incidentally associate. Oh, I really like going into the gym. It's good, um, and then from there, slowly progression, progressing that throughout the age groups and adding on more structure uh, till uh, roughly with under 16s. That's when we start really probably properly periodizing their strength training, um, and then obviously under 18s to 20s, it's highly highly structured. Um, but yeah, that's in a very very quick nutshell. That's pretty much how we got about it. Um, at the same time as well slowly adding in more staff so we added in another sports scientist uh, to take over the the junior and the younger age groups uh, bringing in a full-time physio just for the academy uh, bringing in a, a sports psychologist bringing in a, nutrition, a nutritionist as well um, yeah it's just been slowly but surely bringing in uh, the right people at the right time and with that as well, obviously bringing a new new program, new approach. Sometimes that can be met, met with a bit of backlash from coaches. So what was what was the reception like from the co- uh, from the technical coaches and and the buy-in? Um, like I says, I'm very I'm very lucky. So um, our head of academy, Eddie, he's he's very much into. He's a big believer in strength and conditioning, sports science, uh, and so one of the things that he wanted he he's very much he likes. Hibs to play a high press, counter attacking, uh, explosive pace, power. Um, you know, especially he likes his wingers, likes his wingers to be fast. You know, uh, real technical, twisty, turny players in the middle. You know, so from there, it was identifying uh, obviously a job spec for each position uh, and try to actually individualise the training programs to as much as possible. Uh, and that wouldn't have been possible if it wasn't for that buy-in from. Uh, from Eddie and because of that that filters right throughout the whole academy because at the end of the day the coach is king and uh, his his voice is what everybody else has to really has to fall in with because it's his vision to tie into the actually becoming a first team player um, so for me I'm I'm in a very 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 lucky fortunate position uh, I don't really get as much as, as much hostility there's a lot of things that we, we'd like to change like we're looking at maybe the conditioning uh, and actually mixing that in so it's more interlinked with the actual technical structure uh, so you know more the kind of tactical periodization. but at the minute um, what we're doing is is working you know there's always areas that you could improve um, but like I say I'm very lucky here um, I don't get as met with as much hostility as I know um other people, uh, such as myself and uh, other clubs, come up across. So, yeah, yeah. Like you say, I'm lucky. 
that's obviously down to the the culture that's that's throughout the club, isn't it? That, I think that's pretty obvious in speaking to you that that culture is is now embedded in the club, which is great. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the well, you touched on the the sort of game model there, and I'm guessing that's where you you referred to the Hibs way before, and I'm I think that style of play is is possibly what you sort of meant by that. Do you think that yeah. the sort of speed of the wingers and the and the tricky players? Coaches like to, they find it easy to relate that style of play to gym work, don't they? And S&C work. So do you think the, the Hibs way um, and their style of play was was possibly a reason for for the, the sort of buying from the coaches? Yeah, I think so massively because, <laughs> I mean, especially if you're wanting to play a high press, uh, fast counter-attacking football, they have to be fit and they have to be fast and they have to be powerful and you, you'll never maximise their potential without good, a good strength and conditioning programme. Um, and, and at the same time as well, one thing I always say back to the coaches is strength and conditioning is also a massive, a massive playmaker in injury prevention. And, you know, if your players are injured constantly, try to play that style of football because it is, it is um, there's a lot of demands on it physically, they will break down. And strength, you know, in a good strength programme will actually help help the boys survive and thrive in that type of environment, especially when they make that transition into the full-time world. Um, you know, that that's where the loads really shoot up. And um, if we can give them the best base possible to survive, and like like I say, I like I like using the word more thrive. And when they come into the full time environment, they're comfortable, they're familiar, and then they can actually become very successful. Uh, and I know having a good base at academy level that can only do them the best, the, give them the biggest advantage when they actually step into the full time environment. And again, that does all come from the coach's belief. So, yeah, very lucky. And that language is obviously really key. For yourself, isn't it? And the way, because you, you've touched on some real um, prominent ways of thinking, I think, from technical coaches, where you're talking about injury prevention, you're talking about pace and power of players. Mm-hmm. That, I think that that catches a, a coach's attention, doesn't it? They, they suddenly realise the benefit, because if they don't, they're, they're looking at players that are going to be injured frequently, which means they're going to be unavailable a lot, and then the, the sort of high press that you're talking about, they're not going to be able to deliver that on a on a frequent basis. So no. language yeah. is really important, isn't it? Language, like language is everything, and, and again, that goes back to the relationships. So, if, and one of the things that uh, our psychologist is really big on is he's making sure that everybody's talking the same language, so we all understand each other, because it can only it, it obviously massively helps with the communication between each department, and. That, that's one of the biggest things is making sure we are all saying the same thing so everybody understands exactly the, the same message and in that way as well the players pick up on that and the players know exactly what their jobs are and you know if a player knows their job it makes everybody else's life easier <laughs> definitely yeah definitely so in terms of the structure of the book <laughs> touched on it a little bit throughout the ages but do you want to go into a little bit more depth so you talked about um, where you went in you you brought the academy up into into three phases so how does that look and what's the differences between the phases? And also, what are you looking for at the end of each phase? Where do you want players to be? Yeah, so the first thing that we do, even when we're looking at the three different phases, the first thing I'll do is I'll actually use a lot of the growth and maturation work and I'll identify peak height velocity in different phases of their own maturity. So 
normally I'll split them at the three um, the three uh, phases of maturation. So I'll just go into like pre-peak height velocity, circa peak height velocity, and then peak peak height, uh, sorry post peak height velocity. Uh, and then from there, that's when I'll I'll really one I'll, I'll give them different things and and uh, from a strength point of view and from a conditioning type point of view, but. It just also makes us aware of what's going on in their bodies, especially when they're going through peak high velocity, because that's when you're going to be picking up a lot more growth-related issues, such as slatters and severs, and um, same time just any uh, hip and groin tightness or any type of niggle that um, you know is nothing to worry about. But it'd just be common just because of rapid periods of growth, and we think it's important that the players know that, the coaches know that, and you know, especially now the coaches will come to me and say, oh. I take it he's going through his peak height velocity and I'll say oh why is that and he goes because he can't he run <laughs> like, <laughs> that's yeah that's pretty much why yeah yeah or he just looks awkward he says he's he yeah. just looks really awkward and I'm like yeah well that's awkward awkward adolescent syndrome you know that's all it is he's he's not used to the rate his limbs are growing at and that's why his movement just looks compromised um and and for me it's great that the coaches are aware of that as well and from there it's you know, that's when we use the data just to go, right, okay, this this player's going to need a little bit of breathing space. But, you know, as soon as we use that, if there's any any flags that pop up, we'll just we'll just deload them a little bit and just let their body breathe and just adapt to that little period um, and just monitor how they go. So we take, we take our measurements every eight weeks because our training blocks work in eight weeks. Uh, so at the end of eight, eight, every eight weeks, we'll do uh, an assessment assessment week where we'll just see how they've been responding to the program and what their individual strengths and weaknesses are. Uh, and from there, we'll, we'll just correlate that way how much they've, they've grown. If there's been rapid periods of growth and, you know, the performances have dipped, then, well, that's, that's normal. And we try to obviously save them. That's nothing, nothing to worry about. Um, and from there, we'll just look at the trends on how they're progressing over periods of time. Um, but yeah, and it's one of the things we come up with a lot is our late developers. So say if we've got some, uh, we've got a few late developers in our system. We'll just um, we don't really buy a band per se, but we'll just play them down. Um, we'll just we'll just play them down any. Well, we don't even really see play them down in these group. We'll just we'll just move them to uh, a younger age group. Um, just just so it's, it obviously challenges them in the right manner. They're against peers which are of the same same physical stature, so they're not going to actually get disheartened by playing football because we've seen that happen as well. That they're just not physically able to compete with stronger, faster uh, opponents, and then they just get pushed about, and it's not good for them. It's not good for the coaches. It's not good for anybody. So play them down, and you discover that they're they, they find the love for football again, they enjoy it. But that's where they're actually at, um, and that's where the, the, they need to be. To, for the next while, while as they uh, they, they progress, um, so yeah, yeah, that's that's something we look at. Same time as well, some of the boys will play them up if they look like they're they're earlier developers, um, and we'll just see see how they get on as well. Uh, and you you find some interesting things. Some you find some boys really can't cope with it, uh, and other boys thrive in it. So it's, it's, it's interesting. It's completely individual. Uh, and, that, and that's from there. That's how we kind of look at the whole structure of the, the, the well, from a sports science point of view with the academies. Like I say, a lot of my decision making is heavily based on growth and maturation. And in terms of it, at the end of each phase, have you got specific markers you're looking for the for the players to hit? Um. Yes and no. We have. 
we have obviously KPIs for uh, for each age group, and we have uh, like a, a table of norms of what we would expect. Like you know, your sprint scores to be like a four RMs to be on squats. Um, you know, we look at a yo-yo level, and we also do a mass test, and we just um, we look at going right. For example, by the time you hit under sixteen, we'd we would really be looking for a five meter to be under one second. You know, because if you can get under one second, we'll always say ah, that's when you're starting to get pretty, pretty, pretty quick. And the same time, a twenty meter sprint, we'd always be looking for under three, uh, under three seconds. Um, so we have we have markers like that for each age group. Um, but again, I'm not overly. I wouldn't say I'm overly fussy on it because ultimately every player is an individual, and if you've got late developers, they're not going to. You might they might not actually hit a. They're, 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 they're a good standard of norms until under 18s and even at that they might not hit at that till the second year of under 18s because they could be such a late developer and at the same time you know we can't get too disillusioned by the early developer it's absolutely smashing those targets out the park with under 12s <laughs> because you know that's one to watch is he's still going to be doing the same under 16s uh, some you know sometimes not we've actually had a few boys drop out you know that the the, the, the real physical specimens at under 12s time under 16s come and their peers have caught up they're so disheartened they don't enjoy their football anymore and they've dropped out the system because they're just they're not enjoying it and it's purely just because people have caught up and they can't do the things that they used to do but you know that's what you could say it's up to us to actually find ways to challenge and stimulate them as well but there's only so much you can do ultimately before the player just goes I'm not enjoying this anymore so yeah yeah does that make sense yeah definitely I think the the real key word in there is development isn't it in, in an academy role it's not and I, I asked the question obviously where the the points you want them to be at each phase but I completely understand that there's not going to be you've got to hit this that and the other and yeah. and that's the be all and end all you've got to take each individual 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 case and also accept the fact that they've still got a few years to go before they're going to be playing first team haven't they and you can still oh, look absolutely. at some of the professional players now mm-hmm. um, and I think probably one of the main ones in the headlines is Jamie Vardy isn't it it's such mm-hmm. a someone that's coming to the game very very late but now performing mm-hmm. at the top top level mm-hmm. and that's what you have to consider as well isn't it that's the biggest thing I had a good chat with Sean Cumming uh, recently and that's one of the things he was talking about like Jesse Lingard and you know and he was saying like when he was younger you know people he was the tiny tiny wee guy don't be wrong he had an amazing ability but he was so small and you know people would overlook him but that's the thing luckily under Alex Ferguson Alex Ferguson highlighted the fact that no hold on to him because he's going to be a late developer and, and Rashford as well I think Marcus Rashford was another one it was a real late developer Paul Scholes you know there's a lot of good stories about Paul Scholes being at, apparently when he was 16 year old couldn't run you know had absolutely no physical ability you know but obviously technically just uh, on a, another level but yeah he was a real late developer as well and you think the players Paul Scholes became he was an absolute technician you know so um, it just shows you, you you've really got to You've got you've got to look after and nurture the, uh, the the smaller guy because you never know he could be your your multi million pound player. Yeah, definitely. So if we if we go through the ages at the academy then and go towards more towards the first team, so we get into the, sort of the final phase mm-hmm. uh, of the academy now. So what, do you want to just break down what that looks like and and how what you're <laughs> for players when they're going into the first team as well or into the 23s yeah so what will happen is um, obviously we're not 
a massive, massive club where, you know, somewhere around the 18 squads. So if we go under 18s, that's where the transition becomes really interesting. And that's that's when it really, you really find out more about the players. And what, what we've got, the way our kind of academy structure works, we give minimal contracts out to the players. You know, some clubs will actually give out a lot of, a lot of professional contracts to, to their, um, their under 18 squads. So they'll actually, they'll actually have a full squad of full time under 18s. Uh, well, when we play uh, our under-18 squad, we might only have four or five full-time under-18 players. And the reason being is, one, obviously, when it comes down to budgets and resources, this is what we're allowed to do. But at the same time as well, we'll choose players to actually come in that we generally think are going to have a, a real chance at having a career in professional football, be it playing first team for Hibs or first team for Hamilton. It doesn't matter, you know, if we think we can actually improve this young person's life uh, and give them a chance to, you know, live their dreams and play football, then we'll definitely give them all the all the support in the world to do that. Um, so when they enter full time, obviously that that's when it, you normally find there's going to be, there's always going to be a decrease in performance because there's such an increase in load. And even if you if you look back to yourself, the first time you take your first full time job, you know it's it's tiring, it's hard. I remember the first time I went in at full time work, and I was I was absolutely done by the end of the week, and I wasn't actually having to perform. And you need to take in, you know, that's the difference between internal and external load. That there's, they're going to get a massive spike in both forms of load, and only one thing can happen is, of course, there's going to be a decrease in performance. So again, you need to just give that player a bit of breathing space, give his body time to adapt um, uh, over a period of time. Some players pick it up really, really quick. Other, you know, the more robust players, and other players, it could take them a full season before they really, you know, they really come to terms with what 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 they've got to do. Um, and again, it's just an individual thing. And from there, um, it's just about if they're they're really starting to kick on. Well, you know. Um, the, the the first team the first team coach the manager he could he could pull the, the players over and uh, training with the first team uh, if they do well with the first team training sessions you know they could find themselves on the bench um, uh, the other way we, we look at it as well is we put a lot of players out on loan a lot of the younger players out on loan we put put them out in lower league um, teams be it the, the the Highland leagues or the actual uh, League One League Two uh, the the Scottish leagues. And um, yeah, if they you know if they're performing really really well, that's great. Um, sometimes they, they don't they don't perform as well, so we just bring them back and we just we just nurture them more. So um, yeah, every every player is a complete individual, so we ha- you have to take that into account that everybody grows and develops at different rates, and and then you know eventually the penny does drop, <laughs> so you just have to give them that time, um, and. Yeah, yeah, we know our model is 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 quite successful. We, last season, we had thirty percent of our first team minutes were actually made up of academy graduates uh, from our club. So we know we know the model is 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 pretty successful. Yeah, and that, I think those numbers speak for themselves, don't they? I think there'll be a lot of clubs out there that are, that are quite a way off that, and it mm-hmm. obviously shows that the the youngsters get opportunities up there, and I suppose that makes that really highlights the importance of your role, doesn't it? And all the other guys yeah. involved in the academy that you've got this development phase that you've taken them through, but they will get that opportunity at the same time. It's ultimately, it's, it's always up to them. It's, it's up to them. Um, I don't know, is it? Uh, Eddie May always says, like, look, there's a million pound behind the store. You just have to open it. 
<laughs> so we can put everything in place, but ultimately it always comes down to the player. Um, and if, one, one thing we've always found is the hardest working players, you know, they, they always will make something of themselves. You know, just a sheer force and hard work and determination, regardless of ability. I mean, you wouldn't be in this building if you didn't have ability. But if you're here, it's, you know, it's you've got a real chance. You've got a real chance at making it something for yourself. So the more you put in, the more you'll get out. And you, you, we've got a lot of good young academy players, which their work ethic is fantastic, and they're a joy to work with. Um, and yeah, 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 I feel very positive about their future. And just, not to sort of finish on a, on a negative point, but just to understand some of the challenges that you faced in that role. So it's it's very very obvious that the, the culture is set in the club, and and obviously that they're going to get chances in that first team environment but what are some of the real main challenges you faced in terms of S&C implementation or um, buying from from players probably more than coaches is, is yeah. there any you do, you do get that so the, the biggest thing for me is probably resources you know we at times we, we are bursting at the seams at times because we're trying to do a lot um, and we, we just from where I want to go we just don't have the ability to do that and um, and it's just purely a resources a resources issue um, staffing manpower and actually facility wise um, and you know when I'm looking at best practice I do feel we are quite a bit off that and it's and the limiting factor is um, our resources uh, so and that and that can be a bit disheartening at times Um yeah, you you will get players that um, will not be up for it, and they will try to be a bit confrontational. But you just send them out. You know, we're not. I'm not here to to argue or debate with anybody. Then the day we always work on, um, you know, our, our, our decision making is always objective. It's never subjective. Uh, and so if somebody disagrees, I'm just like, well, this is actual. This isn't black and white, really. You know, it's not. I'm not. I'm not here to try and argue with you, but. Every now and then you will get the odd attitude. Attitudes can be egos can be a bit of a, a thing, but again, I think we've lucked out with our first team players at the minute. We've got a lot of good senior pros within that dressing room, and they set a standard. Uh, and that standard, you know, when it's set by the first team, it does ripple down right throughout the club. Um, and from there, we find the buy-ins right. Uh, they, they enjoy, they, you know, they enjoy coming in at the gym. They enjoy working hard, and you know, if they can, if they can't, if they don't, you know, they won't be able to play to the style that the coaches are wanting to play. And if you can't match what the coaches are asking you to do, then you're not going to play. And everybody wants game time. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's it's quite a hungry culture in here. So we're lucky. Oh, that's all great. I mean, I think there's some top information there, and it obviously shows. Um, what's going on at the club as well and I, and I think those stats that you quoted before that that pretty much sums everything up that the work you guys have done has has been great but you're also looking to constantly improve on that as well which is which is also something that you want to be doing isn't it you want to always be taking that step forward and and providing better services for your players mm-hmm. yeah that's you know you can see where you want to go but it's just about the nature of people isn't it you always want more <laughs> Yeah, definitely but I don't think that's a bad thing at all is it that just helps you develop yeah yeah it's, it's a growth mindset and it's, it's the, the culture within the club is obviously of growth um, and yeah yeah as long as the players are wanting to do it then we can make we can facilitate that and make that happen awesome mate well I won't keep you any longer Stephen but I really appreciate your time um, is there 
anywhere that people can get in touch with you? Where's the best place if they've got any questions about anything or they yeah. want to? Best best place is grab me on Twitter uh, at Steve Kernan. Um, you'll find me on Twitter. Um, as I, I normally keep my Twitter a little bit more professional. I'm not too active on that, to be honest. Um, but you'll you'll find it, you'll, you'll be able to reach me on there. Um, my Instagram as well is at Steve Kernan. But I, I normally just keep that a little bit more. It's a little bit more just my own training, more adventures. Really, it's nothing too too formal. But yeah, that's that, they're the best ways to uh, to grab me. So the Instagram can work as a motivational tool for people, can it? <laughs> I just see me doing all my stupid outings and adventures and get myself into trouble at times. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> no, thank you very much, mate. Really appreciate it. It's great to catch up again um, after the Celtic meeting and I wish you all the best for the rest of the season. No, thanks again for having me. Yeah, hopefully it's positive. It seems to be going that way, so fingers crossed. Awesome, mate. Well, take care. Right, cheers, Ben. Thanks very much. Cheers, mate. Massive thank you to Stephen for coming on the episode. It was great to record one with him. and We spoke about doing one up at Celtic and it took a while to arrange it, but it's great to finally have him on. I knew the discussions would be good and I hope you took plenty from it. So let us know your biggest takeaways. I've got mine down. So the biggest one for me, I think, from this episode was the importance of language. We spoke about the language he uses around coaches. Um, that's why the episode is called Coaches King because... And we need to find ways of working and communicating effectively with coaches. Um, I spoke about it at the start as well when we talk about what Stephen was going to talk about, but he spoke about the Hibs way and linking that in to how he communicates with coaches to get the buy into the SNC program. I thought that was really interesting. He spoke about understanding long term development. So where the, the there could be a drop in performance due to an increase in load as they're getting through the age groups, especially up, up towards first team. So I think they were my main takeaways, but let us know what yours were. Either tag us in our Twitter, share the show, tag us in on Twitter, let us know what the takeaways were, tag Stephen in as well. Um, you can also drop us an email, mail at footballfitfed.com and let us know what you think. Go and follow Steve. He's on Twitter at Steve Kernim. So his second name is spelled C-U-R-N-Y-N. And then, like I said at the start of the episode, please head over to iTunes, leave us a review. I want to try and get a few more reviews on there if possible. So I'd really appreciate it if you take the time to go and do that. And then we will hopefully see as many of you guys at the Colchester meeting as possible. The details are on our website, footballfitfed.com. Click network meetings and events at the top and then you'll be able to get your tickets there. And we will be bringing you more events very soon. So I said it last week, I'll say it again this week. Hopefully we'll have another new event um, to announce in next week's episode to go along with the Colchester ones. We've got events coming thick and fast, so we'd like to see as many of you guys there as possible. And thank you again for your support, for sharing the show, for getting in touch, uh, recommending guests. I really do appreciate it. Keep them all coming, and we'll speak to you again next week.